You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you, who held fast to the Lord your God, are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for they will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, in the busyness of our lives, uh, perhaps even the busyness of this season, season, it's easy for us to fail to notice the passage of time. And so uh, it's good for us on a night like tonight, as the year is changing from 2019 to 2020, to remember uh, time does keep moving forward. It's good for us to gather to remember God's faithfulness. That the same God who cared for us last year will care for us in the year to come. It's a good time to turn to God's Word being reminded of who he is and who he requires us to be. The book of Deuteronomy was written at a time of transition in the life of Israel. Oh, not the transition from an old years to a new years, but a time of transition in their life. They had been wandering in the wilderness, and now they are preparing to enter that new phase of life, that next phase of life, preparing to enter the promised land. And so Moses here is teaching them and reminding them of God's faithfulness and reminding them of their obligation to that faithful God. 
Deuteronomy really is just a three sermons given to the people by Moses. And we're here looking at almost the end of that first sermon in Deuteronomy where he will remind them of God's actions in the past, remind them of God's direction in the present, and also give them a warning for the future. We look at those same three things tonight. As I mentioned, they are a time of transition for them Uh, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Deuteronomy recount the wandering in the wilderness. And they were in the wilderness because they had been disobedient to God. And and Moses reminds them of one thing in particular. Look at verse 3. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. That Baal of Peor incident, recorded for us in Numbers 25, was a time of the people's unfaithfulness, unwillingness to follow God. As a result of their disobedience, 24,000 were killed. God showed himself to be a just judge. Their disobedience caused their death. And as they're preparing to enter the new land, God reminds them of that. I am a just judge. I have shown myself to be faithful to my own justice. And remember how their disobedience caused the death of 24,000 killed by a plague. But he goes on in verse 4. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. Disobedience would bring death. But those who were obedient continued to live before the face of God. Obedience was an important part of their life. It allowed them not to die in the wilderness, but by God's grace to go through the wilderness and to enter the promised land. Obedience would bring them the place of life. Remember, we're talking about in the Psalms, two ways. Disobedience brings curse. Obedience brings blessing. This is what Moses is reminding them way before the Psalms are written. These these actions of God. He's a just God, a just judge to judge the disobedient, but when we are faithful to him, he is ever faithful to us to continue to lead us, and he brings his people right to the brink of that new land where he will take them in. Disobedience brought death. I don't suppose this past year there have been any times where our disobedience perhaps brought us to the point of physical death. But there are other kinds of death. There's a spiritual death. There's emotional death. There's relational death. When we are disobedient... to to God's requirements for how we are to live with each other, it brings death to relationships. Spouses are alienated from one another when they fail to honor God's ways. That disobedience brings a death to their relationship. Parents in their relationship with their children, children with their parents, failure to, to heed God's laws, disobedience brings death. Death temporally, to our relationships here, and death, a certain type of death in our relationship with God. When we are are living in the path of disobedience, we cannot expect his blessing. We think of David 
David, who in Psalm 51 talks about his sin, his sin with Bathsheba. And what does David say? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now David knew he was still saved, but he lacked the joy. The joy of that close, intimate fellowship with God. His disobedience was bringing a certain type of death to that relationship. God is is a just judge, and actions do have consequences. We think of God's actions of judgment in the past on his people Israel, who were so deserving of that judgment. But then we move forward in time. And we think of, of the greatest judgment that God ever brought. The judgment he brought against mankind for their sin. That judgment that should have fallen on us, but God, rather than judging us, sends his own son. Sends Jesus Christ to take the full judgment, the full penalty for our sins. Yes, God remains a just judge. He does not ignore our sin. He punishes it in his own son, Jesus Christ. Christ died that we might live. We recall that that judgment of God in the past, which was for the sake of his people. For those who know God, our sins have been forgiven. Christ's death guarantees it. As we enter into the new year, we need not go in weighed down by sin. God's past actions have released us from our sins. We can go in with a sense of joy and celebration, the joy of our salvation, because we are those who are forgiven. And that that wonderful truth is for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. It is for all who embrace Him as Lord and Savior, for all who know that past act for themselves, that Christ died to take away our sins. God's just judgment in the past that it might be a blessed future for us. Moses reminds them of God's actions in the past and gives them directions for the present. Verse 1, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, obedience and life, a live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do these things that you may live. Verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. As you go into the present, living in this time, we are called to follow the law God has given to us. We know his just judgment for those who are disobedient. And so in, in, in present time, we want to live in a way that is pleasing to him. And God, God reminds us of his law. And because of what has happened in the past, because of Christ's death, because it was a death that should have been ours, we now want to live lives of gratitude. So right now, we are called to hear, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules I am teaching you, and do them that you may live. Living according to the law of God. That is God's direction for us in the present. And he says in verse 2, with regard to that law, you shall not add to the word that I command, 
nor take from it. You shall not add to the word, nor take away from the word. Now, I don't think there's many of us that would want to add anything to the word of God. But perhaps we are at times tempted to add to the place, the function of the word and law of God in our lives. This is what I mean. The call to obedience, the call to faithfulness, is an important call to remember. But, but we must not make it a part of our process unto salvation. We must not add to the place of the law that you need to do this if you want God to save you. Keeping the law is not something which prepares us for the grace of God. God comes to us while we are still sinners and showers His love upon us. And because of that, then we keep the law. We must not add to the law by, by putting it in the wrong place in the economy of salvation, saying that somehow our obedience precedes our salvation. Nothing precedes our salvation but the grace of God. Obedience is that which follows our salvation. When we put it ahead of our salvation, the law leads us to a sense of legalism. I have to do these things in order to be saved by God. We must not add to God's word. Nor, Moses says, may we take away from it. We may not make God's word less than it is. It needs to be important, an important part of our lives, to know the word of God, to hear the word of God, to live the word of God. Which is why it's so important for us in the year to come to continue to, to regularly attend worship with God's people, to be instructed in the Word of God, to, to attend Bible study, to do our own personal devotions, that we not take away from its importance, we not minimize its place. If we, if we add to the Word of God, we, we tend toward legalism, but we take away from the Word of God, we tend toward license. We can live however we want, it doesn't matter, because the Word of God really isn't that important for us. No, we have to find that that place where the law is our response to what God has done, our necessary, our, our obedient response because of the glorious gift of salvation. Moses says when you live like that, when you live according to the law, it will be noticeable to those around you. Look at verse 6. Regarding the commandments, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. Even the nations would notice when Israel lived according to the law. And they would say, there's something right, there's something proper, there's something wise about the way these people are living. Even the world would recognize. Verse 6, and they will hear all these statutes. They will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Israel's life would would be an influence on the nations around them. The same should be true for our lives. In many ways, the way that we live should be an enticement to the world to know more about the church and the God of the church. 
the way we lived should be noticeable, distinctive. That even our unbelieving co-workers or classmates or neighbors say, there's something, you've got something. There's something wise, something right about the way you deal with your spouse, deal with your children, deal with your parents. There's something going on in your life. I can see that. And I want to know more about that. Even the nations would see what was going on. They'd say, there's wisdom here. There's wisdom in these people. And then, verse 7, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is near to us when we call upon him? Israel was to direct their attention to God, as are we. When someone says, your family seems so well-ordered. Your children are so uh, obedient and respectful. Uh, what are you doing right? Uh, we respond simply, it's by the grace of God. God has seen fit to, to bless us and our children. We direct our attention to God. We don't say, yeah, we're great parents, we're wonderful you know, people, great neighbors. No, God has blessed us. God has given us a, a, a sense in his word of how we are to raise our children, deal with our spouse, even interact with our neighbors, but it's because of him. We direct our attention away from ourselves and our attention unto God. The law should continue to be that which directs us to God today, in the church, in our homes. Our commitment to knowing God, following God, listening to his law will be a blessing in our own lives will also be a visible witness to those around us. God's call to live according to the law in the present. And then Moses gives a warning, verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Don't forget. Don't forget what has happened. They're preparing to leave the wilderness, preparing to enter the promised land. Moses says, don't forget this time. Don't forget what took place. And he reminds them, verse 10, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Sinai, at Sinai, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform. That's the Ten Commandments he wrote on two tablets of stone. It's hard to imagine Israel ever forgetting that. That, that younger generation, now the older generation, had lived it. They had seen it. They'd seen the mountain on fire. And yet Moses warns them, don't forget. Don't forget what you've seen. If Israel having seen these events, needed that warning. How much more don't we need the same warning? Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget the care he has given to you, the care he has given to your family, the care he has given to our church. Don't forget to, to, to 
study that word and to read the law of God, know the law of God, live the law of God regularly. Don't forget these things. You know that we read the law every Sunday morning. And there's something very good about that. But there's also something very dangerous about that. When we hear something again and again and again and again, it's so easy for us to become casual. It's just normal for us. I had a professor in seminary, one of my Old Testament professors, and any time he read from the law, he would always begin with this. Pay close attention to the public reading of the law of God. Pay close attention to the public reading of the law of God. We are to take close attention to the word God has given us. Don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget his call to faithful living. Don't forget he is the God who is faithful to us and the God who is faithful to our children. Notice how that shows up here in verse 9. Last half of verse 9. Make these things, make them known to your children and your children's children. End of verse 10. That they may teach their children so. We are to make these glorious truths of who God is, what he has done, his faithfulness, make these known to our children. And now certainly we do that in church. We do that through Sunday school, through catechism, through other means. But the responsibility ultimately falls on us as parents. We are to train our children. The church is a wonderful help for that, but we are to train them. Our, our kids need to know the truth of God's faithfulness in the past and, and the warnings of disobedience in the past. We sometimes lament when our children um, marry uh, outside the Reformed faith. They marry evangelicals. We're thankful they're marrying Christians. But uh, we sometimes scratch our heads, why is that the case? Have we taught them the distinctives between being Reformed and being evangelical? Have we taught them our own history? Why is it that we are URC and not some other denomination? There are, there, our history is important, not because it's our history, but it's a reminder of what God calls us to. It's a reminder of the danger of disobedience and the blessings of obedience. Do not forget God's ways with his people. We are responsible to pass that on to our children to teach them why the Reformation is important, why, why the doctrines of grace are important, why we have to hold on to these things tenaciously and not simply water them down. Have we taught our children the importance of these distinctives of the faith? As I look at the stats in our church, about, about a quarter of our congregation are baptized children quarter of the congregation. We have an obligation to train them as parents, as grandparents, 
to teach them the glorious truths of the faith. Do not forget, Moses warns. They had seen it. He says, don't forget. We have that same warning. Don't forget to pass this on. God has given us a glorious revelation of who he is, a glorious revelation of his faithfulness. Teach our kids these stories. Tell them these truths. Have them embrace the promises of the covenant and know a covenant-keeping God who will always be faithful to them. For us, it's a time of transition, moving into a new year, a time to remember God's actions in the past. Remember that He is a God who does punish sin, but who punished our sins in His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember that God is a God who directs us in the future. He has given us His Word. He has given us His law to teach us how we might honor Him. And He is the God who will go with us into the future, lest we forget who He is, what He is, and all of His faithfulness. As we go through this time of transition, we can look to God with confidence and with hope in the new year, knowing that He goes ahead of us and will continue to be faithful to His people. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank You for Your faithfulness. We thank You that in spite of our sin, in spite of our wickedness, You have called us to be Your own. You have punished our sin in Your Son, Jesus Christ. And, and Lord God, because of that salvation, You've chosen to direct us, how we might show You our gratitude. You've given us Your law to teach us how to live, make us good students of that law, not only knowing it, but applying it in our homes, in our marriages, in our work, in all that we do. And Lord God, don't let us ever forget, ever forget the glories of who you are, the glories of what you have done. And may we never fail to pass these things on to the next generation, to teach our children these glorious truths, that they may pass them on as well. And you remain faithful to your covenant with your people. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.